Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey everyone, Steve Morris here, back with another Raptor Reactions, part two of the exploration of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, now out on digital, Blu-ray, and 4K. Uh, uh, the last episode, if you if you listened, I talked about re-watching Fallen Kingdom since seeing it in the theaters, although I feel like for me, since I saw it so many times in the theaters, eight times to be exact, uh, you know, it's been it doesn't feel it didn't feel like quite as a break because that that's something that's so really cool and special about actually when, you know, I've talked about it with other people before about that experience of uh, I was actually, um, excuse me, um, say Friday night and I'm having a beer, Golden Road um, IPA um, and I'm hanging out watching uh Georgia Hardstark's kitties. Elvis is hanging out with me right now, although I think he's about to take off. So who knows if he'll stick around and hang out with me. But um, anyway, it was I was talking to oh, it was on the Cantina Chatter. So I'm going to be on an upcoming episode of the Cantina Chatter, which is an extension um, of Victoria's Cantina. If you don't know her work, she is an amazing uh, toy collector and her channel is so great on YouTube and she does all these great YouTube reviews and stuff like that. And so uh, her podcast is a really great um, extension of that, and it was an honor to be a guest on that, as well as with Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost and JC himself, Jurassic Collectibles, the legend. Uh, we had a really fun discussion about toys, about Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic Park and all that stuff. But we were talking about that kind of period. You know, you had to wait a year between when you saw Jurassic Park in the theaters and then when you saw it on VHS or, you know, Lost World in VHS and stuff like that. And nowadays the window is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. For my experience for Fallen Kingdom, it didn't quite feel as like a fresh start. But I think if you go back and listen to that, I just put it out this week. If you go back and listen, there was definitely a lot of new observations and stuff to be had. And again, it was really fun just to watch it at home. So uh, and to me, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, because it is my second favorite Jurassic Park film now, to me, it's so rewatchable because it's just in some ways the sort of segmented nature of the film, the, you know, time on the island and then the sort of boat stuff and then going to the Lockwood Manor stuff. It, it feels like it's the kind of film and with the intro itself being such a great 
such a great intro, you know, one of the best Jurassic Park intros since, I mean, really probably since the original and as well. Um, although I'd say that, you know, Kathy Bowman stuff in the Lost World, that intro is pretty great as well, too, as far as opening sequences go for a Jurassic film. But uh, just Fallen Kingdom to me is going to be a very rewatchable movie. Uh, and so I'm excited to have it at home. And uh, so the second part, what I really wanted to do was to go into all the, as I mentioned, I was thinking about it, but as I watched them all, I went in and I had such a great time rewatching all the, um, or watching, I should say, all the bonus features of the film. And so um, I wanted to give a shout out really quickly um, to Krista Mosowitz, who was on the production team for the bonus features. And, you know, she was leading the charge and stuff like that. And so I just want to give a shout out to her, my friend Krista, because these special features are super awesome, better than the Jurassic World ones. And I think in a day and age where physical media is dying, the fact that we have special features at all anymore is a goddamn miracle because there really is, I mean, like we're fighting for it. You know, I think people kind of miss the glory days of the Lord of the Rings extended editions, but even then those were really those set the bar so high, but that really was an anomaly as well. I think, um, again, I think, you know, I, that's when I came of age as far as a film watcher and movie collector was in that era in high school. And I was getting every DVD and soaking in all these bonus features and commentaries and stuff. And so sure. I would, I have wanted to see deleted scenes or commentaries or things like that. Um, of course, but, uh, I think, if you actually look at these bonus features and if you get the target edition, which comes with a little concept art booklet and a whole DVD of other special features, honestly, it was that target DVD that really made me want to do a bonus episode because that DVD is so chock filled. So it's like, it's filled with enough bonus features that, I mean, it's crazy. It's like a whole other disc of full bodied, uh, additional behind the scenes that were really rad. And it's, you know, it's kind of a shame that they have to be split up on this other thing. Like if you, you know, if you wanted to buy it at Walmart or, or Best Buy or whatever blockbuster. Uh, so it's kind of a shame that they weren't included on the actual Blu-ray itself. But again, it's, it's, we live in an era where we're very lucky to get any spe special features whatsoever. And I think as I go into each special feature, I'm just going to go into each segment and kind of say, you know, kind of my thoughts and everything on it. Uh, what overall, what I say, what I really liked about these special features is that they really focused on fun, which I thought was really cool because uh, that's what I want to see. I think that's what we're all excited about. That's what I mean, those original Lord of the Rings extended edition features were all about kind of the story of all these people kind of in the mix together and, and making a movie and how fun that was and how hard it is sometimes too and stuff like that. And so what I really liked about the Fallen Kingdom special features um, was that it really kind of focused on the fun aspect of making this movie, which I thought was really cool and was like nice and refreshing because it is, it's a thing where, you know, I think you can kind of, I think we get kind of bogged down in the process and it's nice to know that people still have fun making movies. So, um, and also I'll just say off the bat too, I appreciate these bonus features, which is, I think was a problem. It's a problem with a lot of bonus features now, a lot of behind the scenes stuff where they just pad out the, the docs with a lot of footage that they almost kind of feel like sizzles as opposed to like true blue, you know, commentary on this thing that they're working on. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's nice that, you know, they weren't relying on footage from the movie to, uh, tell the behind the scenes stories that it was actually lots of really great, interesting, funny, dynamic, uh, behind the scenes footage. So that was really cool. I just want to say that off the top, um, that I thought that was really cool. I think it's funny more than anything though, that, that all these bonus features are broken up into individual chapters. So it's one thing that, you know, it would have been nice to like have a play all function because there is, I believe there's over 12. Let's see. There is over, over 14, 14 plus 14 plus Chris Pratt's journals, which have been released online and uh, were released online before the release of Fallen Kingdom and then a little Barbasol sponsored retrospective. Um, but the target disc that includes up to, yeah, up to seven, seven additional segments that feel right at home with the ones included on 
the actual Blu-ray. And um, yeah, they're all, I mean, they're all relatively short, like around the five minute mark, but I think they kind of punch in and get really specific with what they're talking about. So I think let's just dive in. And the first special feature on the Fallen Kingdom Blu-ray is on set with Chris and Bryce. And it basically just kind of goes into their relationship. And I appreciated seeing Spielberg kind of all over these special features, which is nice. And it seemed like he was more, well, I I, I want to say that it's, you know, I think the show has really been a Chris Pratt show. And that's always been my frustration with, with the marketing for the Jurassic World movies. It's people are saying in interviews, it's Claire's movie, but the marketing is much more Pratt heavy. And it was nice to hear Spielberg talk about um, Claire and, you know, mostly her relationship with, with uh, Owen um, you know, BDH and, and Chris Pratt and their kind of relationship together. But, you know, the, these special features of anything make you realize how important BDH Bryce Ellis Howard is to the Jurassic franchise. And I think when this is all said and done, I think really it's going to be she's really the heart of all of this and her, um, you know, it's it's I'm hoping that that the more people see of Bryce Dallas Howard talking about these movies, I think people will hopefully appreciate maybe the elements that they didn't necessarily like about it and stuff like that. So I don't know. That's kind of my two cents on it, but I think we're so lucky to have BDH, uh, somebody who feels like she genuinely cares about this franchise. And I think that's really cool. Um, which I think I've talked a little bit about in the last Raptor reactions about kind of her having a little more control over her character and the choices and stuff. Um, but what I thought was really interesting that she was, when she was reading the script for Fallen Kingdom, she kept being like, oh, is my character going to die here? Oh, is my character going to die here? And I just think that would be such an interesting route to take. I know if we're going to go back to speculating about Jurassic World 3, that, I, I mean, I don't think that, that um, I think if they're going to kill Claire, they're going to kill Owen too. I don't think they're going to kill one or the other. I think if they're going to go that route, but I don't really see them doing that because I just don't think that's what these movies are about. But I don't know. It'd be interesting. Um, but I think that was so funny where she's like every she's like every page. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Um, and then the next special feature, uh, the next little doc was The Kingdom Evolves. Uh, and it Jay Biona goes into a little bit. Of, it was nice to see a lot of Jay Biona as well, too, because I feel like he wasn't that involved necessarily with the the um, outside interviews for Fallen Kingdom. It was mostly kind of Colin Trevorrow kind of taking the reins for a lot of the marketing. Um, so it was nice to see him all over these, all these bonus features. And so he tells his origin story about seeing Jurassic Park, which seemed really f- similar to mine in the sense that um, you appreciated Jurassic Park, the original movie, not just because it was this beautiful, rad science thriller with dinosaurs. You also appreciated the filmmaking aspects. It was a movie that made you kind of meta textually enjoy the process of it which i think was like pretty new for me. i mean maybe that's what kind of action and science movies are i wonder if you know like you think about the ray harryhausen movies or stuff like that where it's like oh you like you see these cool effects and so then it makes you as a kid curious about how they actually did it so i think maybe it's kind of in that vein um and so oh bryce Dallas howard talked about you know while they were making jurassic world they were talking about the sequels and frank marshall um, shows up a bunch, you know, he, he talks about, you know, that of course that this is all, this was always planned as a trilogy. Um, Colin mentions, of course, that the volcano stuff was inspired by the book, uh, because Isla Nublar is a, is, has a volcano, you know, and, and a big element from the original books is the geothermal power and all that stuff like that. So they obviously took it one step further, but, um, I thought that was cool to learn, Um, And then probably the coolest bit, little story bit in this bonus feature is that uh, Bryce Ellis Howard learned that Jay Bayona, uh, she talks about learning that Jay Bayona not only was a film professor, but that he taught a film class. And one of those, well, he taught many film classes, but one of those classes was specifically on Jurassic Park, which I mean, that's just so cool. That's just awesome. And then we get to the special feature Return to Hawaii and they go back to Kualoa Ranch where they filmed the original um, Gallimimus scene in Jurassic Park and maybe the Gallimimus scene in Jurassic World. I'm assuming it's the same location, but I'm not. I feel like I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. Um, Anyway, uh, so it was interesting. It was cool to talk about that where they 
kind of use the legacy of that location to film new scenes there. Um, you know, just, just various scenes, uh, from the new movie, you know, from the, you know, from the little bit that they're in Hawaii in, uh, or in Isla Nublar in Fallen Kingdom. And, uh, people have seen it kind of making the rounds online, but that there was supposed to be a scene where it's, I think, cause like in some of the trading cards, some of the bullseye toy trading cards, I think it's the whole DPG come across, like it's either on their way to, um, it's on their way to uh, the bunker or it might be when Wheatley and Zia and Owen are heading to find blue. I can't remember in off the top of my head if it's supposed to be in between the, the bunker moment or when they leave the bunker to go find blue, but that they stumble upon the corpse of a dead stegosaurus. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, they just showed some of that. And so that was, I wonder, yeah, it's just interesting that I wonder what that scene was. It was probably just, you know, adding just more pacing stuff. Um, and then I just wanted to shout out to, and I'll probably talk about her throughout the special features, which is a shout out to Belen Atencia, which I believe is, I'm not really hundred percent sure if that's how you pronounce her name, Belen Atencia. She is um, Jay Bayona's like right hand, uh, right hand man, uh, producer and so it was cool to hear her insight because again it's it's what i liked about these bonus features was it was that it was a mix of voices from old and new for the Jurassic franchise people like frank marshall and spielberg who've been there from the beginning you know then you have colin and bryce and um chris pratt but then also having jay bayona and blen um you know who are kind of new to the franchise so it was kind of cool to hear from them um and so it's, yeah, it's just, there's a few other, she's, she's in all over these special features and I'll, I'll come back to her in a little bit, but I just wanted to give her an initial shout out. Um, the next special feature is Island Action. And so this is the very, the, one of the most fun sequences, uh, or one of the most fun little facts throughout the entire, um, bonus, uh, features is that cat litter was used with water in tandem to create the lava flow effects in the Baryonyx attack sequence. So they're pouring kitty litter essentially like down into these grates of water and i guess if you light it on fire or the reaction with it makes the fire go up the go up the 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 cascading kitty litter to make those fire effects and they obviously enhanced it with cgi and stuff but uh, i think that's really cool um and there's just a funny moment with justice smith where he has to pee but they've already strapped him into the gyrosphere so it's too late um, again, there's a lot of focus of, on these little more fun moments. And I think, you know, maybe, you know, you know, I, maybe I could, <laughs> I was like, I should just ask Krista this, but, um, I think because, uh, because, you know, special features, the budgets for these are so much more limited nowadays. I think focusing on the fun aspect, I think was such a smart move because that's the stuff that we're going to you know, want to talk about later. That's the stuff that becomes gifts on Twitter, you know, and, and, you know, and I think ultimately very few movies have compelling behind the scenes drama enough to make them into like a story. You know, I think about the last Jedi special features where I just, I, I mean, I just don't think like they had to make this huge doc about like Ryan Johnson making the movie. And it's like, no, he just made a, he just made an amazing star Wars movie. One of my favorite star Wars movies. And I don't like the draw kind of, there's just a lot of like, I feel like drudged up drama that was just meant. I don't know. It just, I just want to see people having fun making movies. So I'm just shouting that out again. Um, (laughs) And uh, I feel like people have seen this kind of floating around online, but you kind of see more of it, which is that, um, the gyrosphere sequence was filmed in three locations on the island um, in a kind of wet set underwater. And then uh, they actually built a roller coaster or a part of a roller coaster in the back lot of Pinewood in England to instruct uh, Justice and um, Bryce into the gyrosphere and had them basically go over the roller coaster to get that genuine zero G moment of when you're like, you know, like. I mean, that's the best part about the Jurassic Park, the ride. One of the best parts was that when you go over and you just feel like you're going to fall out of the out of the raft. And that's so it was cool that that commitment to practical um, effects in this movie was not just in the dinosaurs, but in in uh, those kind of moments as well, too. And so uh, the fifth bonus feature is aboard the Arcadia, which is the ship that they take to Lockwood Manor. And that was filmed on the Richard Attenborough stage at Pinewood. So that's kind of a nice little nod. 
Um, and Bayona said that the blue surgery scene is the heart of the movie, which is, again, my favorite scene in the film. And it was nice to hear Spielberg talk about how blue has become a character that we root for and care about. And so that was cool. And Justice mentioned something really interesting that I thought was really cool is because I always I feel like I've said it over and over again on all these podcasts about how I love that the dinosaurs in Fallen Kingdom bleed and cry and sweat and snot and, you know, all that stuff and sneeze and all that's, you know, because that's what's so great about the original Jurassic Park. You have the Brachiosaurus that sneezes and the Triceratops that's got the gunk in the eyes and the microvesicles. Um And Justice mentioned that Blue also drooled, which, I mean, I don't know if I'd have to, I mean, I feel like as much as I've seen the movie, I don't know if I noticed that, but I thought that was an interesting remark. Um, And again, uh, Colin in the special feature reiterates that uh, so much of Fallen Kingdom was designed around animatronics. And it, I mean, it really shows in a sense where it's like, okay, you're getting in a confined space with this T-Rex, you're getting into this tent with Blue and... um, so, you know, it's very, it's very obvious in a way, but I, I mean, I think that's, I would prefer that, you know, <laughs> if it has to be done that way, then that's what I want because, you know, you rewatch Jurassic World and as much as I like that movie in, in many ways, uh, in some ways, as far as dino on human action goes, it all feels very kind of far away and you want, you know, I just want to touch it. You just can't touch. Um, so again, that was very interesting. And again, they use Neil Scanlon and his animatronic company, which has been working on all the new Star Wars movies, um, and they filmed at Pinewood in the UK. So um, special feature number six is Birth of the Indoraptor, and there's a little fun montage at the beginning of Isabella Sermon, who played Macy, giving a tour of Wu's lab, which just makes me want to like, see like an MTV Cribs-style thing with either like Isabella Sermon with with B.D. Wong or something like that, which I think would be really funny. Um, and Colin Trevorrow mentions this kind of canon backstory fact that uh, Wu and Hammond cloned the first baby elephant in the basement um, at Lockwood Manor. Um, they also show a bit of the Indoraptor f- fingering the skull, um, which was like a cut moment um, from the movie. Uh, cause yeah, there was, I think it's again, one of these things been making the rounds, but the idea that, uh, initially the Indoraptor, they were either going to shoot something or thought of the idea, but maybe they didn't get to this point where they were going to shoot it, where you were going to see kind of like a guy, like a human taught, like either like a feeder or somebody getting accidentally eaten up by the Indoraptor. Um, but they show, but there's still a shot of like it grabbing a skull with its long talons. Um, and I thought this was an interesting element that Neil Scanlon talked about when he talked about the Indoraptor, because ultimately I think most of the Indoraptor ended up being replaced in CGI. But if you look at the animatronic of the Indoraptor in all these bonus features, it looks pretty darn close to what the finished Indoraptor was digitally. Um, but an element that he talked about was that, which I thought was really interesting, was that the Indoraptor isn't a perfect monster it's not a perfect hybrid it's he's talking about kind of you know falling apart and skin's flaking and it's kind of got and it'll they'll return to it later in the vis effects section but just that it's not a perfect creature you know it's not excuse me it's not this perfect melding it's it's kind of you know kind of frankenstein in that sense and i thought that was cool i don't know if that necessarily comes across in the film as like a as a thing like you know, but and I don't know who knows that that would have just been more distracting where like the Indoraptor tries to go after. But it's like like its jaws locks up or it like gets a Charlie horse or something like that. But um, I thought that was interesting nonetheless. Um, and again, that they aren't just using animatronics, but they're using puppets. So it's like there was a, there's like a guy who's like wearing essentially just the Indoraptor arm for the sequence where it's grabbing Macy or um Again, what's another thing that's been making the rounds, not from the special features, but from an ILM conference or something like that, where um, where there was a scene where they were going to show Iris getting killed, but they decided to keep her alive um, for another day. Um, but it's this Indoraptor and they show it in the bonus features, too, but this Indoraptor puppet head. So it's like a, a, a guy. Um, you know, walking around, but then he's kind of controlling the head of this puppet. And so it kind of gives the reference and the full body, you know, just something for the actors to react to that isn't necessarily like a fully detailed animatronic. Um, And then so the next special feature is start the bidding. Um, 
And what I thought was really cool at the beginning of this was they did a little montage of the members of the auction and they just had such funky, weird faces. It was very sci-fi. Like there's a person with like a red eye patch and just very like multicultural and just very like, I don't know. It felt very sci-fi to me in a way that was like really cool. Made me like kind of Blade Runner-y almost. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I hope we get to see more of this in the future Jurassic films. These kind of weird corporate people. Um, And uh, Bayona talking about how there was so much potential with Stiggy um, in this scene. And then, um, yeah, the 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 auction sequence mostly just focuses on Stiggy and then uh, Chris Pratt as like an action hero in this scene where, I mean, really, this is like the first full on human on human fight scene in a Jurassic Park movie more than just a punch or a, or a kick. No, nobody gets kicked. But, you know, <laughs> Ian, Jeff Goldblum's not drop kicking like. Uh, Bloodlow or anything like that, but um, so just kind of focused on that and stuff. And you know, for what it is, I think it's a cool, it's a cool little sequence. And again, sort of, I, I like Owen the less he talks. You know, I think that's what I think that sells him better. Again, that Harlequin romance kind of action hero that um, I've talked a little bit before on the podcast in the past. Um, um, yeah, but uh, and so uh, the eighth, the eighth special feature, Death by Dino talks about Bayona mentions that, you know, there's this idea that the greater the villain, the better the death is required for them and really kind of focuses on Ted Levine, Ted Levine's death, um, you know, from Silence of the Lambs. And uh, again, the thing that you learn throughout watching the special features is that Ted Levine, Ted Levine, oh man, I'm going to keep going back and forth, that he is such a sweetheart and that he is so it's just it's always so funny. I, I mean, I always love I think it's the like Tom Hiddleston effect, maybe. I don't know. But it, it well, no, because he plays good guys and bad guys. But like it, I love that idea that sometimes the most like like most evil hearted, you know, villain characters in these types of movies, the actors who play them are actually the like most adorable uh, small people on the planet. And so like, yeah, Ted has such a big heart and you get to see that in. Um, you get to see that in a lot of the bonus features. And so in this one, they really focus on his death by the end of Raptor. So that was cool. Um, and then the next special feature is monster in the mansion. Um, and so when Colin talks about, you know, the Genesis of fallen kingdom, uh, Elvis is coming back. Um, when they talk about the Genesis of fallen kingdom, he talks really about, they wanted to get to the point where, um, Macy is a scared kid in her bed, you know, that we, in a Jurassic movie have that, you know, the, that kind of classic iconography of being scared by the monster. Um, and Belen, uh, producer Belen Atencia and Jay Bayona talk again about that. They looked to, um, the, the version of Dracula that was starred Franklin Jella as Dracula, um, as really big inspiration. And it was cool. They actually kind of show the, I mean, they almost, it's like almost like a shot for shot remake of, when the Indoraptor comes in in Macy's bed or comes in, you know, comes in and it's that like low camera angle and then kind of slipping in and opening the door handle, which I thought was funny because I always assume the Indoraptor opening the door handle was a nod to the Raptors opening the, the doors in Jurassic park, but it's also a reference to this Dracula film. So it was like kind of a two for one reference. And I thought that was pretty cool. And um, this part again, made me so happy because again, as I mentioned in that, in the part one of this Raptor reactions was that that fallen kingdom for me is the perfect love letter to the way um, we like how we loved dinosaurs as a kid with, you know, the dinosaurs fighting and doing all these crazy things and, and taking them very seriously. And, and, you know, you know, basically this movie is playing with your dinosaur toys. And so they say it as much when they talk about, um, yeah, he said he wanted Bayona wanted to turn the concept of a kid playing with dinosaurs in their room into reality. And so when they talk about, you know, Macy's room, it's like instead of her with two dinosaur toys, like like Grant at the beginning of Jurassic Park three with, you know, you know, playing with Charlie in the sandbox. It's like, oh, now there's like these full size dinosaurs in this little kid's room. And so I thought that was really cool. Um, I, Yeah, that was that was awesome. I, I was like, this is and you know and again it's as much as i talk about these bonus features really focusing on the fun it's these little moments where you're like okay now i'm getting like a really great clear picture of 
of, you know, the inspiration for this movie and kind of all the wonderful thought behind it and stuff like that, which I thought was really cool. Um, it's all very cool. Uh, and so the next special feature is the rooftop showdown. And so there's a little moment of Pratt riding a toy horse, which is cute. And Belinda Tensia talks again about how the rooftop showdown was supposed to be kind of like a Western, uh, which is pretty obvious, but I thought that was really cool. Well, I guess it wasn't obvious, but it was when you think about it, you're like, oh, it's it's that. Ah. Elvis just looked at me like, what are you doing? Um, and then, I mean, again, Isabella Sermon is also on a handful of these special features and she is going to be a f- huge star. Um, I'm so excited for her. And again, I I really hope they don't. uh age out i don't i don't hope they don't age out macy i hope we get elizabeth sermon to come back for jurassic world 3 because i think she is she i mean she stole the show in fallen kingdom for sure and she carried that whole uh that whole sequence you know her whole sequence um her whole thread in the movie on her own which is pretty amazing i think i mean she really is the best kid since lex and tim for sure and um you know as far as like their you know, just as far as their sort of contributions to the narrative, I think, you know, I think the problem with Jurassic Park movies is that, you know, they've mentioned as much, you know, it's like you have to have a kid. But I think in some ways, um, some of the other Jurassic Park movies kind of have kids, but then they kind of don't know what to do with them and stuff. And so I think have I mean, really, Macy is the most important kid uh, as far as her role in the narrative goes in all of the Jurassic movies. So. Uh, and then Chris Pratt calls her Isabella, AKA Izzy, AKA the kid rock. And, um, she learned how to rock climb so that she could do some of the stunts in that sequence of the final of that showdown on top of the roof. Um, and then the next special feature is the return of Malcolm and, uh, where is my notes? Um, it just starts out basically with uh, Bryce Ellis Howard and Chris Pratt fawning over Jeff Goldblum, Frank Marshall talking about how he embodies the spirit of Michael Crichton. And really, if anything, I'm just kind of it's just kind of hitting me now. But I really feel like the Ian Malcolm of Fallen Kingdom, while he, they're using, you know, and that's been mentioned a bunch now that he they use the dialogue from the Jurassic Park book um, and some other things and stuff, but that. Character wise, I think he is the most similar to who he is at the beginning of the Lost World book, where he is kind of like, oh, like people are still into, into this sort of thing. And like, we need to let kind of let things go. And I think that's the point where Malcolm is at in, which makes sense if you think about it, because at the end of the Lost World, he's, you know, he's gone on another dinosaur adventure. His, uh, you know, um, Kelly and and Dr. Harding, you know, have gone through the ringer as well. And so now he's like, finally, like everybody's going to let go. And but of course, we can't let go because we love dinosaurs so much. And so the opening of Fallen Kingdom is really just, you know, if we're going to try and get into that headspace, because, again, you know, Fallen Kingdom doesn't really have that much of Malcolm in it. We're not really invited into who he is as a character in Fallen Kingdom. He's just more of, again, the mouthpiece for Crichton. And I think that is more he should that kind of thread is more similar to the opening of the lost world novel so um i thought that was very cool and um the the just the way jeff goldman says and ja oh he was talking to me about my character and where i've been you know i don't know it's just so funny jeff goldman's great um the next special feature is visual effects evolved um and it really was bayona who wanted to make the dinosaurs more individualized Again, I've mentioned a lot on, I think, yeah, I've mentioned a lot on the percast, but the idea that, you know, cats, but, oh, Elvis, um, that not just cats, but I think all animals have personalities, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're individual, you know, animals aren't people, but they're individuals for sure. And so I really like that. And that's my, you know, that to me is the biggest thing that as far as dinosaurs go, that Bay, that Bay, that J.A. Bayona brought to the table for Fallen Kingdom was really making it so that all the dinosaurs in the movie really stand out and, you know, aren't necessarily just a metaphor for nature, but are actually living, breathing, thing. you know, I was living breathing people um 
Um, again, we learn a little bit how Baby Blue is put together um, and also how uh, oh, that was, you know, again, it's Jurassic Park has always been about the melding of the practical and the digital. And I thought it was very interesting that that in some scenes they would have some parts would be practical and then some parts would be digital. And they use the example of in the surgery scene in some shots maybe Blue's tail would be digital where the rest of uh, her's physical or maybe her claw is digital, but then the rest of her's physical. It's like stuff like that where it's just little bits in here to enhance it, but still trying to use as much as the real thing as possible, but just adding that layer of kind of continuity. Um, I thought it was really interesting. There was a few visual effects artists and they talked about the Sinoceratops as kind of a motherly creature of how she sort of sees Oh, and, you know, lying there helpless and kind of takes it upon herself to be like, come on, wake up, youngin. Um, and they show that there actually was a greasy, gross on set practical tongue that they used, obviously, to get that really genuine like on um, Chris Pratt's face and stuff. But obviously it was replaced digitally, but using it as a reference was really cool. And uh, <laughs> And uh, they talk about the symbiosis between Macy and the Indoraptor, kind of, you know, how they're not one and the same, but they're kind of born from the same process, obviously. And I thought that was interesting. Um, also, they talked about how they had to completely digitize Macy's room uh, because obviously they, they mentioned it that they had a Macy's room perfectly clean and then Macy's room totally messed up. And so they basically had to create a bridge between those two moments. And so they had to create all these digital assets of her room in order to be able to have that freedom to throw things around and stuff. Um, and little Easter egg, they tossed in an ET doll in her room. So in, so wait, does that mean that Steven Spielberg exists in the Jurassic park universe, but he didn't make Jurassic park. Hmm. Big questions. Um, and they talked about how the Interraptor's death at the end wasn't originally going to be slow motion, but as they were kind of putting it together, it just seemed it just seemed like you really wanted to sell that. And I think that was such a smart move. It gave it that really gothic kind of romantic horror kind of vibe that I I, I really loved about the movie. Um, the last special feature, the last like if you call like if if all of these were actually playing all at once, like this would be the last one, because I think the credits play over at the end of this, too. Um, but it's Fallen Kingdom in conversation. It's with uh, Colin and Bryce Bayona, uh, Pratt and Jeff Goldblum. And a lot of it's just them fawning over Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> like Bryce Dallas Howard is like round of applause for Jeff Goldblum. And uh, and so he kind of regale. It reminded me almost of the. Uh, Universal Studios 25th anniversary roundtables uh, that they had each night. And so, you know, kind of it's basically like everyone kind of roundtabling a, a story, a little short story here or there. Um, Jeff Goldblum talks about almost cut, being cut from the film, which I thought was interesting because that must have meant that he was already cast while they were working, while Malia Scotch Marmo was working on the movie. And then, but then bringing him back back when david kep came in to, to to sort of rewrite the script before filming i feel like i have those events in my head kind of mixed up i didn't really realize that that but i guess yeah they did revise the kep the kep's draft was like pretty late in the day but um i don't know it's very interesting i have to go back and look at jody duncan's book the making of jurassic park which was this really beautiful making of book that was written in 1993 and kind of a birds or you know kind of a boots on the ground uh, making of book, like an actual like book with beautiful concept art and photos and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And um, also, uh, oh, and then Chris Pratt tells a story about just how he was, he kind of injured himself a lot on Fallen Kingdom because he just was very gung-ho. In some ways, I think Chris Pratt is going to become the new Tom Cruise because he's just a very you know, in some ways kind of keeps his politics out of everything. So he's kind of like, Hey, I'm just a fun guy. Uh, and so I think he's kind of gunning for that, for the new Tom Cruise position of like, I'm just going to be fun and do fun things and be fun all the time. Um, and so producer Pat Crowley, uh, Pratt was telling him how producer Pat Crowley was like telling Chris Pratt to take it easy because he was just really getting into it. And there's this thing where he talks about banging his elbow and stuff. Um, they also talk a little bit about reaction videos that people shot for the trailer for Fallen Kingdom. 
uh, and then uh, Chris Pratt and Jeff Goldblum recreated the Sattler and uh, 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 Malcolm scene in the in the you know in the original Jurassic Park with the drop of water, and then they ended on a nice note of Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, Jeff Goldblum talking about their kids and liking dinosaurs. So I thought that was nice. And then really the kind of like uh, post credits, the sort of sweet after dessert is that Justice Smith wrote a song on ukulele in Hawaii. And it looked like he kind of it looked like it was like the rap party or like the rap day. And he performs this cute little song on ukulele um, for Bryce Dallas Howard and Chris Pratt. And there's just a line about part of the us, which is really sweet. And yeah, it was a nice little way to end it. And so, uh, you know. Uh, Chris Pratt's journals are included and I'm not going to go through each one individually because they were already released online, but I'm glad they put them there. I think some people are annoyed that they're like, oh, this took up space, but it's, I don't know. I just hate, I hate, you know, like I hate that they release stuff separately. I want it to be comprehensive because you want to just pop in that DVD and you want to watch it, you know, or, you know, if you have the digital version or whatever. So I'm glad that they're there because I'd rather do that than hunt, try and chase after them online. Um, and I, and I like them a lot. They're good little special features cause they focus on a lot of the below the line crew from PAs to stunt doubles to, um, sound editor or, um, sound, you know, just the sound person and, uh, makeup and stuff like that. So I think that's nice that they get these little short two minute kind of interviews with the, you know, people who, I mean, so much goes into making movies. So it's cool to kind of give them the spotlight and, you know, Chris Pratt kind of asked them, you know, what movies what other movies have they worked on and stuff. And that that's really cool. And there's some funny stuff too with Bryce Dallas Howard and Bayona. There's 12 total. So it's like you get, you know, 14 kind of, uh, you know, five to maybe 10 minute long bonus features. And then you get this nesting doll of like, then these 12 total two minute special features things. So it actually ends up being more significant than I think. I think people, when they looked at the original, like, oh, there's not going to be any deleted scenes. I think that kind of really was the focus of the when they announced the Blu-ray for Fallen Kingdom. But I think if you actually watch the Blu-ray, you're getting a significant chunk of of stuff, which I'm which I'm excuse me, which I'm very thankful for. And then Barbasol does a little retrospective on all the five movies ish. Um, no, there's some drag. There's plenty of Jurassic Park three in there. Um, kind of these fun little montages based around concepts like run bumpy rides, T-Rex clever girl. Um, it's so funny. I, I, I was talking to, I forget who I was talking to, but just the idea that Barbasol, like as far as a product placement goes, has really like, uh, really committed to this. And they are for something that hasn't appeared in any Jurassic Park movie since the beginning. They've really committed to, yeah, they've really committed to being part of the franchise. And I just think it's they're you know, they're also very like, they always respond to people on social media. So I think it's very cute. Um, and now I wanted to dive into the, uh, target bonus features because again this is it's not a blu-ray which is you know i mean it would be cool to have this in full full hd maybe one day but the target disc again to oh hi dotty uh the target uh special features i mean it's a it's a significant chunk it adds another seven of these kind of five to five to ten minute sort of bonus features that i i think I would, you know, maybe it's a space issue or something like that. But, you know, I was going to say maybe it's um, contractual obligations or something like that that kept these special features from being on the main one. But they're great. So I would recommend if you can get the Target one, get it just for this. Because, like, you don't need a Funko Pop. They don't even have... They're not even releasing uh, Dr. Ellie Sattler with their own name. They're still doing that vehicle bullshit. Anyway... Uh, don't get Funko, get the target version. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'll dive into the, to those special features because I think they're all really great and add a lot to the bonus features that are already out there. Um, the first one is Hollywood royalty, excuse me. And it talks about, um, it basically focuses on Geraldine Chaplin and James Cromwell's roles in Fallen Kingdom, which is super rad because I feel like you have these two great actors in there and, I feel like the marketing and all that stuff didn't really, you know, there, I mean, there were so many great actors in Fallen Kingdom. So, but it, you know, it was cool to see them celebrated 
And I thought it was a really funny details. At some point on set, Iris is wearing the dinosaur tail that Macy was wearing in that scene in the beginning where she scares Iris, which I thought was very cute. And uh, Bryce Dallas Howard kind of goes into the ways in which everybody who worked on the movie is connected, talking about how Richard Attenborough directed a movie about Chaplin, and that's Geraldine Chaplin's father or grandfather, um, and how James Cromwell played Bryce Dallas Howard's dad in Spider-Man. Um, hashtag iconic father situation. Um, and so it was great to see those two actors kind of, you know, get talked about in their roles, get talked about in the film. So, um, and then the next spot is fallen kingdom, the villains and everyone, <laughs> Rafe Spall and Toby Jones have the craziest English accents. So it's so funny that both of them played Americans. Um, and then I thought it was really cool is we got a little bit of we got we got to hear a little bit from B.D. Wong about the fact that he was in the movie in the original Jurassic Park over 20 years ago. And he kind of says that his return kind of snuck up on him and didn't really expect it to be what it is. You know, it's I don't think I think if you watch the original Jurassic Park, I think if you go off the Jurassic Park book, you could see how obviously there was a lot more for that character for Dr. Wu. But I think if you just look at Dr. Wu in the original Jurassic Park movie, you you wouldn't be able to predict that they could have created the journey that in tandem with the original book makes such a compelling villain. Um, and then again, more Ted Levine, Ted Levine being super cute. Um, and then the next feature is to live and die in Jurassic World. And this basically kind of focuses again on the villains and their deaths and not just um, again, because the, the um, the main Blu-ray focuses on uh, Wheatley's death at the hands of the Endoraptor, but this focuses on, um, you know, on uh, uh, Rafe Spall, of course, mercenary number one, played by Ben Wright, um, who got picked up by Naughty Pteranodon um, <laughs> and dropped on the car. And then uh, Belen Atencia kind of focusing on how, or kind of talking about how she thought Rafe Spall, along with those other auction extras how that was her favorite death scene in the movie just that sort of trapped in the elevator horror movie kind of appeal that she liked about it so um and then we get to probably my favorite bonus feature i think on the entire thing which is a whole which is just called titled zia and wheatley and basically the friendship between daniela panita um, who played zia and ted levine who played wheatley and basically just this kind of thing where Oh, they also show her getting her cool dinosaur tattoos being applied on. And yeah, the whole thing is about the whole little special features about how they became BFFs and how Danielle says she can speak the language of the old curmudgeon. And then what I thought was really funny is that she talks, she tells a whole story about how she was trying to force him to, to listen to last podcast on the left, which is another great true crime comedy podcast um, that I really enjoy. And of course, she's like, yeah. And, and uh, Ted, Ted Levine just like replies when listening. It's like, you got any Bob Hope? Um, and she's like, no, this is a podcast about Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, and so that was, yeah, it was just such a cute, but such a fun, again, little slice of life into what it must have been like to work on Fallen Kingdom. Um, and uh... millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
yeah, and also uh, she didn't say this in the bonus features, but a long time ago on Twitter, I think right around when they were, well, it was when they were filming Fallen Kingdom, but Daniela mentioned on Twitter that she actually had been listening to My Favorite Murder as well, which just obviously made me, (laughs) blew my brain. Um, So I just think that's very cool. Daniela Pineda's into true crime, so you should follow her um, because she's one of my favorite things about Fallen Kingdom, and she loves true crime, so that's awesome. Uh, so the next feature is Fallen Kingdom Rises, and it focuses on the production d- design. Um, the production designer on the film was Andy Nicholson, and it's a thing that I kind of take for granted. But whenever I, whenever it hits me again, I'm like, oh, you know, part of Jurassic or part of dinosaurs isn't just you know because we've come to associate you know Jurassic Park is the jungle and all that stuff. Like that's a big part of how we think of Jurassic Park. But I think a big part of dinosaurs is natural history museums. And so in some ways I feel like I'm, I feel like we don't talk enough about how cool it is that, you know, night at the museum, no, how it's that there's that kind of, that, that kind of appeal to having these dinosaurs running amok in essentially a museum. And they talked about how they borrowed skeletons, uh, skeletons, fossils. Um, and that of course, uh, you know, these dioramas are taxidermy dinosaurs, so they must have been first trial attempts of dinosaurs from Hammond and Wu and Lockwood. And then they go into um, Macy's room, kind of being just like the ultimate kid's room. And Elizabeth, Isabella Sermon says, you know, the kind of room anyone would want. Uh, they talk about the gold leaf wallpaper. Um, then they go into the Arcadia and so they were thinking very logistically of like, how would you load these dinosaurs off of a ship? Um, and so they used parts from a decommissioned Scottish ship, which I think, again, as far as Richard of Attenborough goes, is very appropriate. Um, we see actually a shot, a slow-mo shot of Claire crying, which I was like, you know. Um, and then the uh, the rooftop sequence was an homage to Vertigo. And then I thought was very interesting was that they obviously filmed in all these locations, but they still had to like, you know, they had to keep in mind that you had this giant Indoraptor running around in the mansion. And so sometimes they would digitally enhance the architecture. Like they're thinking the hallway sequence and stuff um, that when the Indoraptor gallops down chasing after Macy, stuff like that, where it's like, okay, like realistically the Indoraptor couldn't go around this corner or couldn't fit through this hallway. So they had to impost change up the architecture a little bit to fit the Indoraptor. So I thought that was really cool. And then my other favorite special feature is secret secrets revealed Macy. Um, again, Isabella sermon is a gem and it's kind of funny because when they interview Colin for this, he's like, "Whoa, this is the first time I'm saying this out loud, but you know, talking about Macy being a clone and all that stuff. And I posted this on, on social media, but, Again, when did the original Macy die? Colin Trevorrow says 20 years ago. Um, the sort of um, in the scrapbook that um, that uh, that Lockwood has says she only died 10 years ago. And also um, uh, Brenna White, a.k.a. Beeksels, a.k.a. Bonnie Puns, um, who you all know. Uh, she mentioned that June 31st isn't a real date. So and other people have mentioned that, you know, could be just be like a prop joke. You know, it's never meant to be seen up close like that. It's more of just like a little fun Easter egg. And then other people have also mentioned, because, again, we're all conspiracy theorists, that maybe this scrapbook was meant to be uh, meant to be kind of a trick so that if Macy ever found it, uh, you know, it was kind of meant for her to sort of. um you know, it's not real, but I don't know if I necessarily believe that because the whole movie talks about how or the whole movie kind of implies that he's hiding that scrapbook from her. Like she never gets close enough to like really look at it. So I kind of find that hard to believe. I think it really was probably just a prop joke. But um, again, it'll be interesting to see if Jurassic World 3 goes into what original Macy was up to or if that's a spinoff movie or a book or something like that. But I think um, uh, it'd be really cool to find out a little bit more about it, I guess. Um, let's see. Oh yeah. Jay Bionis says the whole movie. Jay and Colin say the whole movie is about empathy and that Macy is extremely important for the future. So um, I hope that means Isabella sermon comes back because I think 
it would be a shame to not have her have that because I think we like the actor as much as we like the character. And so I think it'd be really cool to have Macy come back Would Isabel Sermon come back as Macy. Uh, and then the uh, final bonus feature on the target disc is uh, a conversation with Michael Giacchino, composer of Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom and Jay Bayona. And they talk about, you know, obviously living up to the legacy of John Williams using music as a filmmaking tool and, Giacchino said he really wanted Fallen Kingdom to be Stravinsky meets Bernard Herrmann. And I feel like if Annalise was here, she could really tell me the key differences between those two composers. But I don't know that much about it. So I'm putting it out there so you that you maybe maybe when you hear like, whoa, Stravinsky meets Bernard Herrmann. Crazy. Um, and I thought it was funny that Bay, uh, Jay Bayona and Giacchino met at a music festival in Spain almost 10 years ago. And I just like that idea that they were probably all both on like acid or mushrooms being like, whoa, like, this is so beautiful, man. You're a composer. I don't know. That's my that's my story for Jay Bayona and Michael Giacchino. Um, and that, again, they used uh, Bernard Herrmann did scores to Ray Harryhausen films back in the day. And so those are really the starting, the jumping off point to make the score for Fallen Kingdom, which is very different than Jurassic World. Um, and again, they talk a lot about how they kept putting the Jurassic World or the Jurassic Park themes in the movie, but they kept pulling them back out, kept pulling it back out because so you'd have these little like musical nods to it without necessarily going into the full melody, unless it was for something that was really important and really special. And I think that was very smart too. Um, and that they, he also mentions that the Macy and Indoraptor themes are both kind of related to each other again, kind of reinforcing their connection, uh, you know, and uh, really it was just a, Oh, oh, and the the last thing that was really cute was that they talk about how, you know, Jay is working on this movie and it's all out of order and stuff. And so you're finally putting the movie together to try and watch it as a whole. And so he says probably one of the first times he actually watched the movie in its entirety was when he and Giacchino had a little date night and watched the movie together, just the two of them. So I don't know. I thought that was very cute. So. Yeah, that's it. Those are all the bonus features as far as I know on at least on the Blu-ray and on the on the Target DVD. Um there might be like some digital bonus content around floating around and I don't think the 4K has anything new. Um but let me know if I'm wrong about that. Again, I really wanted to thank everyone for listening and uh I've missed recording Jurassic related stuff. Again, I'm working hard at work on season 2. Um so, but it's been nice to jump in with these little Raptor reactions uh, for special stuff like that. And yeah, I'm hoping to do more stuff like that. And also, um, like one thing, for example, I really want to rewatch Land Before Time. So I might do something with that. And, you know, again, as we get into the fall, um, you know, watching some other dinosaur movies. But um, I want to hear from you guys. What do you think? Um, again, right now, I'm getting ready to record this month's mini-sode. So, you know, my questions for, for you know, for that mini-sode have been, uh, what are you planning to do between now and Jurassic World 3? If there's any, you know, any other Jurassic Park-related stuff that you want to try and do or watch or get into, you know, play a game or whatever, you know, play the game or what, you know, stuff like that. And then again, what do you guys want to see in season two of See Jurassic Right? So um, I'm always excited to hear what you think. Uh, supporting me on Patreon would be such a big help in making season two bigger and better. Again, it would really go a long way to just helping me be able to go do things and, and talk to people who are maybe a little bit further away or get better equipment or, you know, stuff like that always helps. Um, and I have a bunch of uh, cool bonus minisodes. And uh, the last few minisodes have been focusing on um, what I think is going to happen in Jurassic World 3 or not what I think is going to happen, but more of what I want. Um, I also go into what the, you know, the kind of general planning stages of season two right now, as well as my thoughts on season one, how it went. Um, but I'm also going to be diving more into fun kind of theories and, and sort of more that kind of stuff about the Jurassic Park universe. Cause there's a lot more, there's a lot more to speculate on now that we've added this new era of Jurassic since the original. So, but there's still plenty of mysteries from the original movies that need to be solved as well. So um, again, you can find all that on patreon.com slash see Jurassic, right? You can always follow me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and SJR pod on Twitter and see Jurassic right on Instagram Again, thank you so much, everybody. Uh, I hope you guys are enjoying rewatching the film again. 
um, obviously this little this second wrapped reactions is only coming a few days after the last one so as you're catching up um yeah i'm curious to hear uh what you think of rewatching fallen kingdom does it hold up does it get worse um personally jurassic world was a movie that actually started like the sometimes i get in modes where when i rewatch and i'm like ooh this doesn't really hold up as well whereas i feel like my i just love fallen kingdom and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger every time i rewatch it so uh yeah but let me know what you think again let me know if there's stuff you liked stuff you didn't like again let me know what you liked about the bonus features kinds of stuff that you would have wanted to see more of i mean i was kind of a little disappointed that they didn't go into the opening sequence at all there's no behind the scenes bonus stuff about that so it would have been nice to see something like that but let me know what you want to see more of again how much do you love uh bdh um yeah so thanks everyone for listening and i will be talking to you real soon uh no elvis isn't here i was i can't do that that's 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 a different show but i'll see you guys later bye Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.